love of God. Amen? That chorus or tag or whatever they call it says, there's no shadow he won't light up. There's no mountain he won't climb up. And I'm thankful that he climbed up on that mountain over 2,000 years ago and he was hung high and stretched wide and spilled all of his blood for me and you. When I start thinking about the blood of Jesus, I get excited and uh, probably need to calm down a little bit. I don't want to be a screamer and a hollerer, but I do want to be excited about the blood of Jesus because it washed away all of my sin. Come on, somebody. Not one of them. He, he washed them all away. Past, nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. First chapter of John. The Apostle John writes, I'm reading from the mirror translation. You might want to look at it on the screen. It says to go back to the beginning is to find the word. In Greek that is logos. Who already was present there face to face with God. The one mirrors the other. So if you were looking at God, you saw Jesus. And if you were looking at Jesus, you saw God. They mirrored one another. The word is I am. Have you ever heard that before? The great I am. That goes all the way back to Exodus, the third chapter at the burning bush when God is talking to Abraham and he says, Who, who shall I say sent me? I am. And he was in the beginning. Jesus, matter of fact, even said in John the 8th chapter that he was before Abraham, the great I am. The word is I am. God's eloquence echoes and concludes in him. So if God speaks, it echoes through eternity in all the cosmos, Jesus, the word, logos. Stop and think about that. When Jesus speaks, now we sing a wonderful song, I Speak Jesus. But God has been speaking Jesus from the beginning. Amen. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, equal to God, the Logos. Let's look at that word Logos for just a second. The essential Word of God. I am thankful for the written words on pages. Are you Thankful for the written words on pages. Now listen to me and listen to my heart. But those, that doesn't cut asunder to the marrow and the bone. Jesus, the word of God, is quick and powerful. Now we have everything that we know. I shouldn't say everything because the Holy Spirit does reveal certain things to us as well through reading of the word. But what we know and glean from is the scriptures about the Word of God, the essential Word of God. It says here that the Logos is the divine expression of God. The communication, this is what Logos means. Logos, the Word, Jesus, is the divine expression of God. He is the communication, the thought, the reasoning, the speech, the tidings, and the mouth of God. In the beginning, if you go back to Genesis, the earth was, form, was formless and void, and the word was spoken. I believe, because Scripture says that everything was created by Him, and nothing was made without Him. Matter of fact, the Logos, the word, is the source. Everything commences in Him. There's nothing original except the word. So with that concept in mind, with that belief 
in that teaching that Jesus is the Word of God. I believe that Jesus is the Word of God. Let me go on to say that he, I believe He's infallible. I believe He's inerrant. <laughs> and I believe that He was, He is, and He is to come. He was in the beginning, He's been throughout time, and He always will be. The Word of God, the Logos, the divine expression of God. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He said, if you hear me speak, I only speak what the Father tells me to speak. I don't want to get ahead of myself. <laughs> so John 8, 37, with this concept of the Word, the Logos, Jesus in mind, let's listen to the words of Jesus as He speaks to the Pharisees. Chapter 8, verse 37, the same book, John. I know you are the seed of Abraham. He's talking to the Pharisees. Yet you are seeking opportunity to kill me because my word finds no resonance in you. So he's been teaching and preaching. He's been going about. And now the law and the prophets were taught until John. John the Baptist, the forerunner, comes preaching the kingdom. Jesus comes and he says, the kingdom is near you. It shall be in you. He preaches the kingdom. He, he changes everything about what they've been doing. Uh, we're going to talk about that in just a second. But the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious leaders, watch this, could not find harmony in the words that he was speaking with what they believed. The rhythm of what they believed and the sound of what Jesus was saying didn't cause them to dance. My daughter Natalie has rhythm. She can dance. She didn't get it from her dad. I can't walk and chew gum half the time at the same time. You know where they used to teach you to, you know. I can't do that stuff. I have no rhythm. I'm clapping. But that's just like the Pharisees when they heard what Jesus was saying. It did not resonate with them because they were so stuck on a tune that was out of rhythm and out of sync with God. Hmm. There are people today who are out of sync and out of rhythm with what God is saying because they think He can only say it a certain way at a certain time and so they don't dance with Him. See, it's this rhythm of the dance. When Lisa and I got married, our, one of our favorite songs uh, that was sung was Dance With Me. And it's just it talks about this rhythm and this dance, this love affair that we have. Well, he is my beloved and I am His. And so when he speaks, it puts my heart. A few weeks ago, we talked about our hearts beat to the rhythm of grace. And when they're out of sync, then we're out of sync with what God is saying and doing. If you are out of sync with Jesus, you're not hearing God. Your actions and your speech clearly show who your father is. That's what he was saying to these Pharisees. He says, you don't understand my language or my dialect because you do not hear my logic. Lying is the typical language of the distorted desire of the father of deception. The devil. Or Aramaic and Greek, diablos. It's an adjective. It's not a noun. A noun. Noun. It means a cast down condition, a warped mindset that my man has inherited in their association with Adam. So if you want to con continue to associate with Adam, who by the way is dead, 
and has left the building, then you will continue in a cast-down condition with a warped mindset. In Aramaic, the word diablos, and it's not even capitalized in the scriptures at all because only person, places, and things are capitalized, not adjectives. Devil is advers- it's, it means adv- adversary, slanderous, accuser, and it comes, watch this, it comes from the root word to ridicule or gnaw. Ever had anybody gnaw on your nerves? <laughs> Think about that to gnaw and to ridicule, to gnaw, gnashing of teeth. Gnashing of teeth is the way that Lynn says it. Eve was deceived to believe a lie about herself, which is the fruit of the tree of I am not. But John 8, 45, Jesus, the true prince, speaks truth and does not lie. That's how he talks. And he speaks from the tree of I am. So you can speak from the tree of I am not, or you can tree, speak from the tree of life, which is the tree of I amness. That's the tree that Jesus speaks from, and he always speaks truth, and there's no lying in him. But the one from the beginning who lied, the originator, the slanderer, the accuser, got Eve to be deceived to believe a lie because she already was. She didn't have to become. Look at the story from earlier in this chapter, John 8. Look at, let's go back to the very beginning of chapter 8. Familiar. It's the woman caught in the very act of adultery. Um, just be really blunt with you. Um, they brought her, caught her in the act, so she probably was unclothed. And they throw her at the feet of Jesus. Now listen to the language that they use. What is their language based in? The law. And the first thing that they say to Jesus is, the law of Moses says that we can stone her. What say you? So it tells me that there are two ways that you can talk. Ever heard about anybody talking out of both sides of their mouth? That's what most Christians do because they mix the covenants. But the law said death. What do you say? Well, if I know my Jesus, he's not going to speak death. He's not going to proclaim any death. So I believe the opposite of what the law would say is what love's going to speak. So if we listen to how Jesus handles this situation, you're not going to hear the law. You're going to hear love. If you would jump up a chapter before this story begins at the latter part of chapter 7. Remember, when John was writing this, he did not write chapter and verse. So the thought flows right out of chapter 7 into chapter 8. He ends about verse 47 in chapter 7, and people are saying this, we have never heard anyone speak like this. So we're coming out of the thought that no one ever spoke the way that Jesus was speaking, We're going to see some differences here in just a minute. Right into hearing love speak in chapter 8, verse 10, where he says, 
neither do I condemn you. If anyone could condemn, it was the Lord. Because he knew her thoughts even before the deed. And he didn't condemn the thoughts and he didn't condemn the deed. And he, in love, brings correction, go and sin no more. Hmm. John 8 then reveals that there is no condemnation in love. If you hear anything that brings, I didn't say conviction, I said condemnation. Anything that has condemnation attached to it is not the love of God. And I would venture to say and submit to you that it's probably the law. Someone attaching See, attached to the law and condemnation are things that you must do. There are requirements that you have to do. Redoubling your efforts, whether that's praying more, fasting more, giving more, attending church more, it's always about doing something. Now, conviction, God in love can correct and tell you and then give you instruction. See, that's not a requirement. That came out of His love and there's no condemnation attached to it. And he gives you instruction to help you and it benefits you. My personal experience has been when I've been condemned, it's usually came, come from an individual and that individual puts their requirements on me and it's usually manipulation to their benefit, not mine. But when it's the Holy Spirit bringing conviction in love, correcting a son, then there's instruction that helps benefit you. See the difference? There is no condemnation in love. John 8 has revealed to us that when love speaks, it sheds light. And we do not walk in darkness. So I was always told that what you do in secret, in the dark, will be revealed in the open, and then there was shame and condemnation and judgment attached to that. God wants to bring it out into the light so that he can get it open and expose it to you and embarrass you. Love sheds light so that you can see the path. Your word is a light unto my feet and a lamp unto my path. So when the light is shed, it's not for condemnation. The light is shed to bring direction, to light the path, to show you the way that you should go. And if you walk therein, you will not err therein. Because you're following the Holy Spirit as He leads by the light. We will not impact the broken, the hurting, the depressed, the unbeliever with any other dialect than the language of love. You cannot reach who you're against. 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and I believe in that, but I have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. So listen. Love is greater than prophetic insight. I didn't say prophetic insight was bad. It didn't exist, but love is greater. Because prophetic insight without love will be uh, directed in a manner that won't be easy for the hearer to receive. Prophetic insight is greater than good works. Good works don't save you. Good works are good to do. You're saved unto them. But love is greater. Just say it this way, love is greater than all. It's one of the three eternals. Love is the best way to talk. 
It's the best way to talk to an addict. It's the best way to talk to someone who's brokenhearted, fractured relationships, uh, people who are on edge, people who are suicidal. The best way to talk to them is love. It is a vehicle that shatters division and rebuilds what is broken. So love is our trademark. You know, if you see this little swooshy thing, whose trademark is that? Mikey. Yeah. You could go on and on. Like the, the, the white-bearded dude with glasses, and he's, he's a colonel. And you see him on a picture or something. What is that? See, you know what I'm talking about. Dave, Dave's daughter. Trademarks. Believers, our trademark is love. By this one sign shall all men know that you are my disciples by the way you go to church or where you go to church. For your love for one another. And I think that most are turned off and don't see the trademark of love because they listen to us talk to each other. No, I'll take that back. They listen to us talk about each other. Over there, they did this, that, that did not. It should be evident in our speech. Love has no condemnation, and it does not have the sound of judgment in it. Because religion wags its tongue and points its finger and says, shame on you. But Jesus says, no, shame on me. Isaiah, the 61st chapter, I believe it is, verse 7. And it's, it's prophetic of Jesus coming and giving his life for us. And he says, instead of shame, I will give you double por- a double portion. One translation says, double for your trouble. Not shame. We are not going to make a difference in the world yelling our opinions across the street and pitting people over the head with our protest signs. I'm pro-life but I'm, a, I'm not pro going out to the abortion clinic and yelling at people coming across the line with signs. If you want to go to the abortion clinic, my opinion is set up a table, give out some uh, free lunch when they come out of there, give them some bottles of water, love on them, offer them some diapers, whatever it takes, but let's not be against them, let's be for them. I could talk about a bunch of that stuff. What came to my heart and mind this week was that old song, and I don't even know who sings it, but it says, uh, what the world needs now is love, sweet love. Yeah. It's the only thing there's too little of. It's what the world needs more of, and not just for some, it's for everyone. Jesus spoke his daddy's dialect. That's something you can remember. He acts like, looks like, and talks like his father. So if you'll put that confession up on the screen. I don't know why those got so small. Sorry that that was small this morning. But the word confession, when we confess something, in the Greek, there's that Greek word there, and it means to speak the same, to declare in full agreement with, to align with, and to endorse. When it comes to just wrapping it all up, Love or confession is to speak the same conclusion as. 
So we don't speak so that things will be true about us or others. We confess, we align with, we endorse, and we have come to the same conclusion that love has come to. And that's what we speak. So we're speaking what is already true. Not so that it will become true. John the first chapter, verse 4, Jesus said, My words are life and they are light. A fountain of life is within him. The Greek picture, really if you would study the Greek picture here, this fountain of life is, the word life is plural. There are lives that come out of him. What did he give to us? His life. We are found in him. We are that fountain that is coming out of him. It's Zoe life. It's a quality of life here and now. How many want to live a quality life? I don't care how old you are. You can have a quality life. Jesus said in John 10, 10, I came to give you life and that more abundant. That's the abundant life. It's called abundant living. It's a quality of life wrapped up in this Greek word Zoe. But it's not only life abundantly, it's life eternal. So it's a quality of life here with quantity of life after the grave. I've heard most of my life preaching about how I can obtain that quantity of life after I die, you know, years and years eternal after life, if you do these things. But I'm convinced more now than ever that what Jesus did solidified that, sealed that, and gave that to me is because I believe in it, then I have access to that. But what I've missed out on until 10, 12 years ago and what I'm enjoying now is the other part of what Jesus said that he came to give and he said that his words are life. His words speak of the quality of life now with the expectation of quantity of life after the grave. I'm not looking forward to dying. I, I'm happy for what I get when I die, but I'm glad for what I have right now. It's a quality of life that my inheritance is now. And Jesus spoke. Every word that he speaks alludes to life. The quality of life that you can have now. And light. His words demolish, dismantle, destroy all darkness. And so your words that you speak demolish, dismantle, and destroy the kingdom of darkness. Do you know words are revealing? Out of the heart, the mouth speaks. In other words, when the heat's turned up, what's in you is going to come out. And over recent years, through hot events and topics and things that have gone on in our country, in our world, the heat has been turned up, and we've heard what people really believe. Jesus was able to change the climate of the environment everywhere he went. Not just by his presence, but by the words that he spoke where he went. I believe that you and I have the ability to change the climate of every environment that we walk into by the words that we speak. Stop speaking to the sin in people and start speaking to the sun in people. I had a conversation with an individual this week and says, well, I don't ever hear any of your messages you talking about sin. 
and I said, so in other words, what you're saying is you want me to name all of these topics, but don't name the one that you're doing. Because when I get on the one that you're doing, you want me to shut up. But there's no reason for me to come in here and name anything because the things that matter are your identity in Christ, what He has done for you, get you to be persuaded. I think that we persuade people by our speech to believe. Do you know what Paul said he was persuaded of? He said, I am persuaded that He is able to keep that which I've committed. He wasn't persuaded that he had to do anything. He wasn't persuaded that he had to keep up anything. He was persuaded that God had the ability to keep what he had committed to him. If you've believed, if you've released your faith, then that means someone persuaded you of that. Now be persuaded that he's able to keep now what you've committed unto him against that day. We announce victory. We proclaim peace. That's kingdom language. That's what needs to be talked about. That's what I said it a few weeks ago. Jesus never proclaimed or spoke problems. He only spoke and proclaimed answers. The antidote for what the problems were. Your father has spoken out of his great love for you a blessing over you. Despite what others believe, despite what others are saying, despite what your parents told you, your grandparents told you, your teachers told you, your God, your Father, God, has spoken a blessing over you. Complaining is the language of fear, not the Father. It breeds unbelief and it produces snakes. You could read Numbers 21, 5 through 7 for reference to that. But our complaining is not of the Father, it's of fear. And when we complain... It breeds unbelief and produces snakes. But I confess, I line up with and I endorse the fact that my father has already bowed down out of heaven on his knees and proclaimed a blessing over my life. Matter of fact, I believe that what God has blessed, no man can curse. We use scripture out of context. Touch not my anointed, do my prophets no harm. I see all of God's anointed before my eyes right now. And as MC Hammer declared, you can't touch this. It's because it's too legit. (laughs) Tell him my age. Jesus is the confession of our mouths, amen? He sounds like grace and truth. He is full of grace and truth. So the sound that comes out of his mouth is grace and truth. Not your truth, not the truth according to you, his truth. And his truth is truth whether you believe it or not, it's still the truth. And I don't have to convince you of his truth, it's true. And it's full of grace. And it's spoken in love. Isaiah 55.11 says, this is God speaking, So will my word, which comes out of my mouth, it will not return to me void, useless, without result, without it accomplishing what I desire, and without it succeeding in the matter for which I spoke it. Why did you give us that scripture? Because the word that comes out of the mouth of God is Jesus. And the dialect that Jesus speaks is his daddy's. They mirror each other. 
If you've seen one, you've seen the other. If you've heard one, you've heard the other. They are one. Seamlessly. Good news, Gary. So are you. That's hard for us to grasp and to imagine that we are seamlessly one with no separation with the Almighty God. Did a wedding a few weeks ago and I stood up here and I, de- I declared that they're here to join t- these two together and it's an example of the mystical union that exists between Christ and the church. And people don't think anything about it but when you talk about that union in the body outside of a ceremony they say, what are you talking about? You're not separated from God. Maybe in your mind, but not in His. He joins you to Himself through the blood of Jesus. According to what I read in Romans the 8th chapter, nothing can separate me from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. And He lists some things, not demons, not principalities, not height or depth. Go as far as you can. You can't find anything that's going to separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, which is the word that he spoke, and it succeeded. It fulfilled what he purposed it to do. And I believe that's the same thing with our words. But the question is, what are you talking? What speech are you using? Is it coming out of fear? And is it complaining? Is it coming from the originator of that adversity or that adversary, that slanderer, the one that ridicules and gnaws? That's not the Father's language. Would you put this next thing on the screen? I want everybody to look at it. Make your mouth a means of grace. Let's make a conscious effort to make our mouth a means of grace. That out of our mouth would always come words of grace because there's some things that we're saying that aren't they're unpleasant to the hearer they don't bring nourishment they don't build up they don't edify because they're not spoken in love but Ephesians the fourth chapter verse 29 says let no rotten talk come out of your mouth but only what is good for edifying as fits the occasion that it may impart grace to those who hear it Lord, help my speech to be seasoned with your grace so that all people hear is the trademark of the kingdom, which is love. Because if anybody hears anything else out of my mouth when I communicate that's not grace-filled so that the hearer is edified, built up, encouraged, nourished with the good news about what Jesus has done for them who Jesus is in their life and who they are in Christ that's what my language should be about that's kingdom language that's radical love language can I just be honest that's hard (laughs) it's retraining the brain to talk differently can I tell you how we can change a culture Let's just talk about the culture of Grace Life Church for just a second. We, in two weeks, we will be 10 years old. 10 years ago, on February the 26th, 2014, we started Grace Life Church. How many of you have been here all 10 years? Some in the back there. There we go. Thank you. Glad for all those that have come in since, all those that are going to come in. 
we have yet to change the culture even here in our church the culture is grace the culture is a love language it takes three to five years to change a culture's vocabulary that takes effort it takes us not just speaking it in the pulpit it takes us speaking it outside of the pulpit whenever when things are overwhelming in life and our brain is triggered it goes back to things that we already have programmed but can I tell you that a reboot will take you back to factory default and your factory default is not sin your factory default is not rotten and a wretch and a worm now listen to me Ephesians the first chapter says that before the foundation of the world Christ loved you, saw you and called you his own then when he does create he says that you are created in man in his image but we've put him in our image and we've got to get back to believing that our original design was in his image and his likeness so that we look like, we talk like and we act like our father let's stand together and It's easy to get into a habit of just love you, brother. Love you, sister. High five, fist bump. Love is an action. It's not an emotion. So my talk has got to line up with my walk. And I'm not just saying talk love. But if you talk one thing and live another, or vice versa, then the culture's not changed. People aren't impacted. So yes, we need to start speaking the language of our Father, but there's behavior that lines up and become is becoming of who you already are in Christ. And when those things match up, it's like the stars aligning. It's like the planets all getting, it's just like, wow. Look what can happen not talking what are those things, horoscopes and all that type of stuff that's not what I'm talking about I'm just talking about the power trying to put it in a language that you understand that when our walk and our talk matches up with who we are in Christ powerful things happen people are impacted cultures begin to change atmosphere shift in the presence of God when his love is because I believe that our responsibility and our assignment as sons and daughters is to share the love of God with everyone, everywhere, every day. Insert anything. To share the gospel, the good news. Well, the good news is about the love of Jesus. So I'm sharing His love with everyone, everywhere, every day. The number one fear of most Americans is public speaking. Outside of, you know, health issues and stuff, when it comes to fears, the fear is speaking in public or speaking one-on-one -on -one with someone. So we would rather walk on by and not say anything, but I'm praying that we'll have open ears and open hearts and open eyes to see and to hear so that we can speak. So, man, I'm, we're, we're going to see. Let's just see our city and our state turned upside down or right side up, actually, for, for Christ as we begin to put these things into action. Father, thank you for your children. Thank you for their attentive ears this morning, their attention that they gave. I bless them this morning. I 
and just line up and confess what you've already said over them, that you love them with an everlasting love. That your eyes are upon them. You're walking with them, in them, directing their paths. Now, Father, I, I declare that they are blessed in the city and in the country, in their coming and in their going, that everything that their hands touch will prosper because that's the blessing that you gave over your children. I pray that every need is met, that there is no lack. My heat, my, may healing flow through this room right now and over the Internet. Healing of the body. You just declare life over your body right now, every area. If you're hurting somewhere, I believe there's some people hurting in the back area, mid back, maybe even kidneys there. Yes, Father, touch those kidneys, relieve that pain, bring comfort in Jesus' name.